Hi, my name is Peter Mo, and I'm from Tourism Ireland's Nordic office in Copenhagen. Today we will be talking about one of the most western points of the island of Ireland, the Aran Islands. We have the perfect people here today to enlighten us on this. Eugene and Joan from Doolin to Aran Ferries. Eugene Garrahy is a native of Doolin, County Clare, and Joan has worked with Doolin to Aran Ferries for many years. They are experts on the Aran Islands, and Eugene Garrahy's family have sailed the waters between the islands for more than 70 years. Hi, Eugene and Joan. You're very welcome here today to the podcast. Would you mind telling our listeners why they should come and visit the islands and what your company has to offer? So, yes, Peter, delighted with the opportunity uh, to tell the world through Tourism Ireland what they will see when they arrive in Ireland and travel to the west of Ireland and to Doolin and from Doolin out to the Aran Islands. Out there, there are three islands and they are the most westerly outcrop of islands of Europe. And there are three islands, Inishir, which is the easterly island, Inishir yeah. is the nearest one. It's only 15 minutes out from Doolin. The next island is Inishman, M-E-A-I-N. It's the middle island. Inishman, yeah. Yeah, that's another uh, 10 minutes away. And then 10 minutes further out, you have Inishmore. More in English is big. Inishmore is the largest island. So Inishir, Inishman, Inishmore. Inishmore. Yes. Inishir. God. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, sometimes people remember it by saying Inish near, the nearest one to the mainland. All right. Yeah. yeah. And what do you do? Uh, so you ferry people to and from the islands? and Yes, as, um, as we are located in Doolan, which is the heart of the Burren region of County Clare, a notable area for its flora and fauna, and karsk landscape of limestone. So we're just at the southern tip of the Burren in Doolan, and we're at the northern tip of the Cliffs of Moher, the famous Cliffs of Moher, that mm. everybody that comes to Ireland vis is the most visited natural attraction in Ireland. So everybody that comes to Ireland are more or less compelled to view those Cliffs of Moher, which are... 700 odd feet high sheer cliffs into the Atlantic Ocean. So we're at the northern tip of the Cliffs of Moher, the southern tip of the Burren, and we're in the heart of traditional Irish music. It's the capital of traditional Irish music in Ireland, that's Doolan, where you can have a free concert 364 days a week, free every night in the bars. So well, that's not a reason to go. I don't know what is. <laughs> so we are based at the Little Pier in Doolan. And every day from April to October, seven days a week, we take tourists from Doolan, the mainland, to each of the Iron Islands, the island of their choice. And we also ferry them under the Cliffs of Moher on the way back, right. if that's their choice. So we do combination trips of the islands and the Cliffs of Moher. Oh, but that's lovely. Then you get a bit more, then it becomes an experience itself just sailing there, other than actually crossing a bit of the Atlantic. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, the, some people love the experience of being on a boat. 
more people are more interested in the destination of the island. And then, of course, while you're on the boat on the way back, if you want to do the combination trip, you sail under the majestic Cliffs of Moher. I'm afraid of heights, so that sounds preferably, preferable for me. Well, Peter, the height from the boat to the water is quite quite steep as well. Uh, but it, it's, not, it's not the Cliffs of Moher height. Sorry, Peter. Peter, the height from the boat to the seabed is quite long as well. Oh, yes, but I can't see that. <laughs> So that's lovely. Um, can you then uh, what what tell me about the islands? What what makes them special? I suppose I can jump in here, Peter. Um, what makes them special is is oh my God, what doesn't make them special? To be honest, they are absolutely stunningly beautiful for a start. Um, physically, they will be similar to the Burren landscape, so they are a limestone plateau. And basically, that means they're absolutely full of rock. And one of the first impressions visitors who haven't been to any of the islands have is that there are so many walls. There are literally over a thousand miles of stone walls built between the three islands. And that goes back to their ancient history. I mean, they were... I suppose there's evidence of people living on the islands as far back as 2000 BC. And they would have come maybe from the Burren and settled out there, early farmers. But if you can imagine that they're just basically rock that they've landed on, they they literally had to make soil. So what they did was they would have used, you know, primitive tools to break up this massive rock into walls. And then they built soil from sand and seaweed, layers of sand and seaweed um, right, to turn okay. them into pasture. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely stunning to see this, I suppose, history in action on the islands because the walls are just everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And they're beautiful to, to look at, you know, and the beautiful beaches and just the expanse of the islands. And of course, you can see in the distance, you can see the hills of Clare and the, the beautiful cliffs of Moher as well. That sounds absolutely fascinating. I I've only seen images of the Aran Islands, and I always thought that it was just plots of land. But it makes so much sense that it's the stone being removed for land to be created. Yeah, yeah. And I I have to admit, um, the potatoes that are grown on the Aran Islands are absolutely gorgeous. And I still remember Eugene's father bringing over uh, a sack of potatoes for me from the islands. And he said, you'll never taste anything like these in your life, Joan Hamilton. And he was dead right. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, that's one thing to try then. I guess it's because they're grown in seaweed. Yeah, that must be it. It's the unique soil makeup, I suppose, Eugene. Would you agree now? Yes. And, you know, you're talking about the history. Uh, I had an aunt who passed away sadly at the age of 106 just a year ago and she was born in 1915 and she traveled on a boat to the Aran Islands when she was 15 years of age so in 1930 so she went out on uh, a boat a converted Galway hooker the hooker is the name of the boat so it was a converted Galway hooker and she traveled to the island and on her way back she had two gifts one was potatoes, and the other one was 
a pair of shoes called pamputis, and they were just bare leather. So they just protected the foot from the ground. I don't think they were that comfortable, but they were made from leather and laced together with leather. And they were called pamputis. And the history there is um, that the trade started between the islands. So they would bring out fish and potatoes to the mainland. And in return, they would go back with goods from the mainland and turf, peat, peat for their fires. Mm. So that's where the trade, that was the, the primitive stage of the trading between the Iron Islands and the mainland of Doolan. Okay, fair enough. And it, it's interesting as well that the famine, the potato famine never reached the islands. So they were they were self-sustaining and it, obviously still to this day they could be. Now that's not to say in modern days that the islanders don't go online and do their grocery shopping from the stores and have them delivered by the boats. That is obviously they've moved with the times but they can survive and they have proven that they can survive um by their own hand out on on these little islands off the west coast of europe and joan joan mentions the famine there a very unique thing where where the population of ireland reduced by i think three million during the the famine Mm -hmm. the population of two of the iron islands increased (laughs) <laughs> uh, because they were sustainable islands and could survive um, on their own. All right. That's, I mean, that's quite impressive. It is, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, how is life there on, on the Aran Islands? How many people live there? So uh, today, uh, the islands are certainly, uh, I suppose, if we can stretch that word sustainability, they are a sustainable communities and most of their income now is derived from well some of them have um, civil servant jobs and they work either teachers on the island or uh, they work teachers on the mainland they can travel in and out now Um, but the big the biggest uh, industry on the island is based on tourists coming from around the world and traveling to the island so you have tourism you have uh, farming there's still farm out there. They farm cattle out there and sheep and uh, a little bit of fishing. So the fishing that goes on there, you will find that when tourists visit the island, a large um, percentage of the fish that they may eat in the restaurants or in the bars is caught locally, which is a really, really nice touch uh, when it comes to food and sustainability. It really is. And I'm assuming then that you can also have those then famous potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's what I'm hoping for when I go there one day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So potatoes, if you were going to the islands and somebody and you mentioned potatoes, they might look at you just a little bit, you know, strange because they call them prati. That's the Irish. Prati, yeah. So what we haven't uh, mentioned yet, which is very important, Peter, is um, they are the three islands speak the native language, the Irish language. So they all speak amongst themselves, uh, amongst themselves, Osquelga in Irish. There are not a lot of communities that still do that, are there? No, they're they're much more limited now. But I, I suppose again, the 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 islands of Galway, the islands of Donegal, um, and the communities in Kerry. 
uh, and also Western Galway and Connemara would have been the strongholds of the Irish language, you know. Um, and it's beautiful to hear it spoken. You know, it really is. And it's 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 a live language. It's not something, you know, Eugene and I are from the mainland. We would have grown up learning Irish in school, but speaking English at home. Whereas yes. the the schools in the islands, they learn everything through Irish. So it's it's part of their daily lives, you know. Um, and they're very, very proud people of their culture. It's something that I love to I work in the marketing for the ferry company, you know, and I love to 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 meet the guides, the native guides on the islands and and introduce them to people from all around the world. And they cannot wait to tell you their story, to tell you the history. And, you know, there's little museums over there. There's a there's a museum on Inishir, for example, that has uh, two tailor dummies of like a man's clothing and a woman's clothing. And it's not ancient clothing we're talking about. We're talking about maybe from the 70s, 60s and 70s. And, you okay. know, one of the ladies that I, I would work with, her name is Una. And she'd say, well, this is my this is actually my father's clothes. And it's, as Eugene said, the pamputis, the little leather shoes. They, there was always a tailor on the island who would weave their own their own clothes. Like they literally were self-sustaining. And the clothes that the men wore on the curraghs, they were oil-based trousers to help prevent them from getting completely saturated. And of course, the and famous Arabs are the sorry, curraghs are, are are boats. Fair enough. A special boats yeah. from the islands, or it's just is it is a word, yeah? I'll hand you back over to the the boat person in the conversation. So when you arrive on the island, you will note um, lots of curraghs on the beach and around the pier area, and the curragh is a wooden boat coated in canvas and tar. It's black. Okay. And that, those curragues were built on the island and they were for fishing and transport. So they are still visible today when you arrive on the island. You can go check them out, feel them, look under them, see how they were built. And they're an amazing structure and they're still being used today. Oh, really? they, have this, they have this bow um, at the front that goes these massive big you know waves that the men and women would use to row through and they're they're shaped in a particular way to cope with the atlantic you know but joan uh, the bow of the boat is always at the front oh ha, ha. <laughs> i told you you were the boat person eugene i just i just do the pictures for anyone who hasn't guessed the front of the boat is called the bow <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's actually photographs from years ago of, you know, cattle in Currups. And, you know, that's how they, because the big ships couldn't come into the piers in the islands. They were too, oh, right. so they would have to transfer the, the animals and their, their whatever stock they bought from the mainland onto these tiny boats and row them in. I, that sounds horrifying, to be honest. It does, I, I wouldn't want to be <laughs> on a small boat with uh, cattle any mm -hmm. form. You mentioned briefly that uh, sweaters. What is what is there with yeah. sweaters and so um well one of the most famous I suppose icons of of Ireland is the Aran sweater or the Aran jumper we call them jumpers here in Ireland but sweaters would be a more international word for it so the Aran the Aran sweater is it's basically it was it was uh, made by the women on the islands for the men going fishing it was to keep them warm while they were out at sea and it's a very bulky heavy knit using very coarse wool 
Um, but it's, okay. it's it's stylish as well. It has a distinct pattern. There's different. There's a diamond stitch. There's the blackberry stitch. Um, and they often said that you could recognize the family of the people by the sweater they wore because they were very distinctive, you know. Oh. The other thing, Peter, is when the men dressed in their woolen suits and jumpers, they also wore, and their pamputi shoes, but they also wore these multicolored belts in wool. They were absolutely spectacular. There must have been 50 different colors in them in wool, and they were amazing, weren't they, Joan? Yeah, yeah. Why woolen belts? Well, it's just, I suppose, leather would have been a more expensive material, so they'd use wool to keep the trousers up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, and they're, they're, they're called a criss, a criss, and they're, they're just really colourful. The, the clothing is beautiful, that the women used to wear a huge big red skirt and a black shawl, but they only got the black shawl when they got married. So it was almost like it was a statement of status as well, you know? Okay. Um, And you can experience these uh, different types of clothes still in on the islands or is it, as you said, you you said you could see them in museums because they were quite recent. There's there is small exhibition areas, uh, particularly on Inishman, sorry, on Inishmore and on Inish Ear. But you can. Yeah, definitely. You can you can uh, you can have a look at them there. Perfect. You can also purchase those iron sweaters on the islands. Oh, nice. And they're they're good and warm? Yes. And if you want to, if you really want something quite unique, you can order one, uh, you know, especially made for yourself, hand-knitted. Hand uh, but of course, oh. that takes time, but it is a very special gift. Definitely. Sounds lovely. So living out there on more or less the western edge, is there a connection to the Americas? You mean, is there a ferry that goes over and back every day? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, there isn't, Peter, but there is a connection. Um, well, I suppose the first connection really was made um, during famine times and after that with the huge waves of immigration uh, between Ireland and other countries. And in particular, uh, there were huge numbers from the islands uh, would have gone to North America and in particular to Boston. Of course, there's a connection between the Iron Islands and Galway because they're actually in the county of Galway, despite the fact that they're closer to County Clare and Doolan. But uh, Galway claimed them before we could get our hands on them, so they're still in <laughs> Galway. So there's a connection between there and Connemara. And in Boston, there's a community that still speak the native language, Irish, and an awful lot of them are involved in heavy civil engineering and tunneling, etc. And I am told as late as recently, uh, when I was over there, I met people from Boston uh, down south and down further south, southern states, but I met people from Boston. And there are communities over there that speak the Irish language to themselves every day. That's amazing. Because, I mean, it has been a couple of hundred years since the famine, has it not? It has been 1840. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, almost a couple of hundred years now. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure the same people that went over there are probably passed away now at this stage, and they're they're, they're definitely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's unique, isn't it? It's very unique. It's very special. It's very seldom that languages tend to survive. Uh, well, once you get into a larger group, yeah, we find a lot of our visitors um, from America 
are coming back to reconnect with their family history, heritage. you know, their oh, heritage. Right. Um, and they're they're really eager to to see if there's any connection there. Now, there isn't always a direct connection to the Aran Islands, but, you know, obviously the culture would be very, very similar in other parts of Ireland. It's just a lot more visible on the island still because it's preserved. So you can actually walk into the small cottages and see the flagstone floors and the big open hearth where the fire is. And you, it's very... Or what would you call it kind of touchy feely you can actually imagine your ancestors living like this and then moving from there to america and all that they went through in america to you know create a life for themselves and their young families and then the generations that moved on it, it it's quite emotional for a lot of them to see where their families would have come from you know i can imagine so i mean it sounds like there is a very small step as you could say, between between the past and the present. Absolutely. The yeah, because I suppose, again, it's an island. So, you know, modern day living is not as obvious, but it is there. As I said, they'll still order their online shopping and they've actually got a better Wi-Fi system than Doolin has. But <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, they're still, as I say, very, very proud of their heritage. They still speak in Irish. And obviously yeah. they can go back generations on the islands to their, their forefathers who would have lived in the islands, you know, because the same families tend to live there year on year on year, you know. Now, should you go, should you want to go visit one of these families that have lived there year on year and year? I imagine you have to go through Doolin. So how do you go to Doolin or how do you arrive at Doolin? So um, access uh, to Doolin, you can fly to Shannon Airport, which is about an hour from Doolin. And if you fly into Dublin, it's two and a half hours by road. Three hours if you're not if you don't know the road. But um and then that access is by uh if, if you fly into Dublin from around Europe or uh if you fly into Dublin from around Europe or from um the USA. And obviously, from Europe, you can travel by ferry from the UK, from uh, France, from Spain, and from um, from Holland. Fair enough, but not directly to the uh, to Doolin, though. But uh, yes, no, not directly to Doolin, Peter. No, no. Our, our pier isn't that big yet, Peter. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose we, you know, when people say they want to come to Ireland and they want to see the various famous sites. You know, they do they do think they look at Ireland on the map and say, oh, it's a tiny little island. I can do so much so quickly. We would always encourage people to take a little bit longer in, a, in an area and experience it rather than trying to, you know, drive Rush from, say, Kerry to the Cliffs of Moher and Doolan and on to Galway in one day. All you will remember is roads because it is beautiful, but it is the west coast of Ireland on the Wild Atlantic Way. And the roads aren't highways or motorways. They're little windy coastal routes that, mm. you know, don't encourage speeding on, etc. So we would always say, you know, take at least a day or two in Doolin, base yourself in the Burren, and that way you'll get to go to the islands for a day, see the cliffs, see the beautiful Burren itself. You know, you can take gorgeous walks through the limestone and enjoy the Irish music at night. And you'll feel much more absorbed in the culture 
than just ticking a box and say, I saw the cliffs at 12 o'clock and I'm in Galway for my dinner at three. And really, you know, you're not going to experience uh, the, the proper. Anything, actually, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. But that's, that is that is interesting. What what would you then recommend that people experience when they visit the islands? What's what's the must-sees? Yeah, you know, like, again, there, it's how long is a piece of string? Because, you know, we could talk all day about the islands. Unfortunately, your your listeners would get bored. But, um, you know, if you have a small family, for example, the children will probably be absolutely delighted within a shear's lighthouse, There's a there's a there's an amazing shipwreck. Um, it shipwrecked there. It was a cargo boat that shipwrecked there in 1960. The islanders rescued every every sailor on board, uh, but the ship itself was uh, on a second storm was pushed up beyond high tide. So it's just literally sitting there rusting away. So it's uh, on land. It's on land. It's up on oh. rocks. Yeah, yeah. And so it's 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 actually quite a famous shipwreck in Ireland called the Plassey. Um, and it's famous because it was also in the, I'm not sure how many international uh, listeners will remember Father Ted. It was an Irish TV show um, based on a fictional, a fictional uh, island called Craggy Island, which was actually in Ishir. Um And the, the, the opening credits showed the, the classy shipwreck. So a lot of people say, oh, my God, that's from Father Ted. You know, so, yeah, there you go. Bit of trivia so for you. So if you've seen Father Ted, then it's definitely a must to go. Absolutely, the 100%. But yeah, I mean, what is there to do? You can hire bicycles. You can walk them. Fabulous, fabulous walking. And I know you you uh, Nordic people love to walk um, and cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can hire bikes over there. There's thousands of bikes to be hired over on the islands. And the roads are small and tarred. So they're ideal for, for, for biking because there's very, very few cars um all oh, right very few cars you cannot bring a car on the passenger ferries they're not they're not car ferries they're just foot foot passengers only um and you can also get a pony and trap with a native guide who will bring you around and point out the various points of interest like the shipwrecks or the we've got stone age forts there there are actually really? seven seven stone age forts between the three islands Uh, the most famous one is called Dune Angus, and it's on Inishmore. Um, it is um, because of the limestone, these forts are, are remarkably intact. So you can you can actually see a lot of the structures. Some of them are almost completely still uh, circular, for example. But the Dune Angus was built on the edge of a 300 foot cliff. Um, and so it's U-shaped, um, like with the with the outer top the U towards the sea. So they were kind of, you would, you know, love to go back in time and saying, what in the name of God were they protecting themselves from building a fort on a 300 foot cliff? You know, they must have been awful savage people is all I can say. Um, but they, this Dunangus fort anyway is, is, is one of the heritage points on Inishmore and very, uh, a very famous icon for people to visit. I have to say, three hundred feet. That's a that's about ninety meters. That's that's a fairly steep drop. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the forts were the forts were um, the homes of the chieftains. So you know, in medieval times, the word "dune," which is like there's dune, there's dune Angus, there's dune Duchor. There's dune means fort. So the fort of a king or a chieftain. 
and they controlled the Western Sea Passages. So any of the, the merchant fleets that were passing by Galway Bay had to pass by the Aran Islands on their way to Galway. Um, right. And these guys were actually um, being paid by the merchants in Galway to protect the seas. Uh, but history apparently says that they were doing a bit of the pirating themselves. So they were they were kind of double jobbing and getting well paid for it. Um, but yeah, so there, there, there was a lot of activity on that Western seaboard back in the day. That still sounds amazing. I've I've never seen I well at least I don't believe I've ever seen a Stone Age fort. I didn't even know that there was such a thing. There you go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, then when you move on a little, you have um, actually around the around the twelfth century, there was a huge amount of pilgrim activity in Ireland, and the Ireland the Aran Islands were a very popular pilgrimage. Probably because, can you imagine how hard it would have been to access these islands at the time? So you were doing an awful lot of penance to get there in the first place, you know. <laughs> um, but these ancient, you know, saints and scholars built these tiny little churches. Their own, they had their own following. So they were basically monks or hermits. And people would come to them then uh, on pilgrimages. And one of them, uh, Temple Vannon, is supposed to be the smallest church in Ireland. It's a tiny little stone uh, building on on the the eastern side of Inishmore, um, and it's a, it's a little you know you can you can have a stop at it on your on your tour of the island. You can go off on your bike to find it, or be brought there by the pony and traps. So there's 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 kind of the Stone Age history, there's the um, religious history, and then there's the actual physical beauty of the island you know with the burren you've got the beautiful flowers the landscape is ablaze with these flowers usually yeah. around may and then of course there's the beautiful beaches so my if you ask me what's my favorite part of the islands would be the beaches they are stunning like the caribbean so that's that's your favorite part of, of the islands then what, what, let me hear you then eugene what's your favorite place on the Aran islands then my favorite place on the Aran islands i am ashamed to say <laughs> is the inside of any one of the three pubs. <laughs> With a nice pint of Guinness in my hand, listening to a traditional song from a native of the Aran Islands. Now, I'm sorry it's not more romantic than that, Peter, but that's it in a nutshell. But that does sound quite romantic. So I if mean, I had... I have an interesting question here. So you mentioned three pubs. Is there? I hope there, there's one on each island then. Well, no, not alone is there one in each island, but there's three on the smallest island. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And there's one on the middle island, Inishman, and there is three or four or five on Inishmore. Um, so if you're in there, maybe you'd like to read a little book or the daily paper. Uh, sorry, we're into phones now, aren't we? We're into, sorry. And um, if you have a, a good pint of Guinness in front of you, and maybe with the promise of a fresh fish chowder on the way and a song or a sing-song starting in the corner and maybe in the autumn with a, a turf fire burning in the corner. Now, you try and drag me out of that, Peter. You left some joke. I, I'm sorry, Eugene. I'm going to have to call you a liar here because you said that wasn't romantic. That is <laughs> definitely romantic. <laughs> well, that's what you will find in the most western outcrop of Europe. 
and what a beautiful place. I think anybody that's listening to this podcast will I would my simple advice to them would be please please do yourself a favor do not leave the surface of this earth without visiting the Aran Islands from Doolan County Clare. Now that is an absolutely fantastic f- fantastic thing to say. I think we're close to rounding it off here. I'd just like to ask two more questions. Is there an Irish word or phrase that we should know when we come and visit the islands? I say we because I'm definitely going at some point. <laughs> well, I am not a native Irish speaker. I am so sad and embarrassed and ashamed to say. But I have a few words that are very important when you get onto the island. And if you have them practiced, it's if it's easy. And it is Kwiltu. Kwiltu. And I would say Tome Goma. I am very good. August Tu Fain. And how are you? And they might say Ta Anawa. I am very, very good. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I... I I'll give you a simpler one, Peter. Uh, for when you're sitting in that little romantic pub with your pint of Guinness and the turf fire in the background, and you see the two old lads at the counter speaking Askoelga and you want to kind of you know show that you're trying to be part of their world you just go up with your pint and you say slauncha slauncha well I mean it's going to be hard to go to Ireland without learning that one but I think that's absolutely <laughs> and if you want fantastic. and if you want and if you want to be really welcomed Peter yeah. buy them two pints yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that is a good tip for anyone traveling in <laughs> now to run it off here I think I mean, the obvious question is, how can our listeners get in contact with you to find out more about what you offer and what you do when they are definitely going to the Aran Islands? Yeah, well, we are active on our social media, so we would welcome anybody to look us up on Facebook or Instagram on Doolin to Aran, and the two is the number two. So it's Doolin to Aran. Um, you can obviously go online and go to our website. Uh, we try and update our blog regularly as well with the information. There is actually a lovely blog about Eugene's Aunt Nellie and her visit to the Aran Islands in the 1930s, for example. And you can book online there. So it's doolan2aranferries.com. That is absolutely perfect. Thank you very much. It has been a pleasure and very informative. And now I just simply can't wait to to go to the Aran Islands and to stop in Doolin first. Very good. And stay a couple of nights. Don't just come and go. (laughs) Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Joan. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care.